Thanks, Pastor Darrell. Hi, everybody. You look good. You really do. Better than I expected. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is great to see you, and thank you so much for being here at Timberline, and we welcome you with open arms. Um, it's been an amazing uh, couple of weeks, and if you have followed the story, a lot has been happening in our community, in our counties, and some of you, maybe you are a guest and you're living at this church right now. Well, we're glad to have you in church, uh, besides just living here, sleeping on one of those cots back there. If you haven't looked around, uh, the East Auditorium and the South parking area, there's tons of stuff going on. It's been super busy. We're really excited about that, but we're sad for so many people. Let me just give you some updates about what has happened so you can kind of know the extent uh, of our involvement in all this. Obviously, if you've been reading the paper, you know this, but we have officially turned the shelter operation over to the Red Cross now, and the shelter will remain open uh, here until next Saturday, so a week from today. Here's some of the relevant stats that I'm, I'm, I'm it's sad, but it's awesome that so many of you have served. Um, we, we have processed over 1,100 evacuees right here in this church and over 500 pets. If you have not seen all the pets here, it's just amazing. Every, uh, I mean, all of the helicopter evacuees came to Timberline. And so it's been a real challenge. Um, we, are, we are part of the largest aerial rescue operation in America since Hurricane Katrina. Just to put this in perspective of the size of this, we have deployed 2,200 volunteers who have served over 11,000 hours over these past days, and that's many of them are you. We've received tractor-trailer shipments from, by the way, Convoy of Hope has just been a great partner. Thank you for giving and being a part of Convoy. You can know when disaster happens like this, Convoy's always gonna be there, and when you give in that one-day offering, you can know you're already there. And uh, this year, our one-day offering has now added up to $245,000. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. I just thank God for your generosity. Um, we will have a, you know, a other, other minute, World Vision, Matthew 25, Gleaning International, City Impact, bringing a lot of supplies. We will have a primary leadership role in this in deploying volunteers to do work for Larimer County, Weld County. Daily work crews will start this week, some of the mud clean outs. So if you want to be involved, go to the website, surf68.org, and sign up and get involved. So thank you for making a difference. I, I appreciate all of you and the hard work you've done. Now, between the Hunt Club and, and purchasing that and putting a new campus there, and then the floods and all the stuff, emotionally, it just felt like this, this wave has just kind of been coming over our staff and our team and our pastors and our volunteers. And I just want to say thank you for praying for us. We have needed it, and we have appreciated it, and God is doing some amazing things because of all this effort. This is the third week of our campaign called Open Spaces. If you have a bulletin or a program, go to the back. We feel compelled to continue this series. Next weekend, we start the series on the Ten Commandments. I hope that you're in a small group and you will be ready to go. This weekend, we are focusing on youth and children. I want to talk to you from my heart about my vision and burden and our vision from our pastoral team, our deacon team, our leaders, our high-level leaders who have spent a lot of hours talking and praying about this very thing that we're talking about this evening. And so I just hope you will open your heart. 
I, uh, I'm amazed at some of the things that have happened in our world and with our youth. The first thing in your, in your outline is this. Cultural shifts are real. Cultural shifts are real. Going to junior high in this generation is very different than I went to junior high. It was much harder when I went. We, we were not allowed to use calculators. <laughs> no, obviously, the pressures that our children face, the pressures that our youth face, it's disturbing when I think some of the things that happen. Let me just tell you a, a real-life story that happened right here in this room. We had two people, two males, who came into our facility a few months ago. They came into this main auditorium and they found some anointing oil up here on the front. They poured that anointing over, all over some laptops that they found with some of our musicians. It, it destroyed them. They went and found another laptop and they started searching porn on that laptop right here in this room. They found that they couldn't get there so they went out to the baptismal rooms, the changing rooms, and they threw that computer into the trash can. They got some scissors and they came in here and they started cutting the screens and the curtains in the back. Just, just acts of violence. These two boys were caught. Anybody want to guess how old they were? Seven and nine. I couldn't believe it. It, it so stunned me. I just thought, how in the world can someone who is seven years old or nine years old face that kind of temptation and act that out and carry that out? It, it blows my mind the things that kids are involved in. Many young people engage in sexual risk behaviors and unintended health outcomes are going rampant in our schools. About half of students have had sexual intercourse. 33% have had sex in the last three months, 15% have had sex with more than four partners in their life so far. An estimated 8,300 young people aged 13 to 24 years had had HIV infection in 2009. Nearly half of the 19 million new sexual transmitted diseases every year are among young people 15 to 24 years of age. More than 400,000 teen girls, 15 to 19 years old, gave birth in 2009. What I, 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 I've been reading through these stats weeping because I just, I realize the pressures were hard for you, but I've never faced or seen this type of thing happen. I want to tell you something, church. This is not okay. And we are a church that's doing everything in our power to combat this. And I believe that this next generation needs us more than any generation ever has. They need role models, and they need people who invest in them. They need people who will believe in them. We are those people, and we're going to make a difference in these kids. You say, oh, you're just fighting against the tide. It'll never happen. What difference can we make? We can make a difference. Tell me we didn't make a difference in Larimer County in the last 10 days. We can make a difference in our city, in our county, in our areas by stepping up and doing what God puts in our hearts to do. I'm moved by this. You know, one of the things as a pastor— that you face constantly, and I'm being brutally honest about this as much as I can. When you build a message like this, the last thing you want to do is try to manipulate people or, or shock them into responding. 
Because if all you do is respond by a faith promise or money or time or treasure, whatever it is, then that's not going to last. But, but as a pastor, you begin to pray, God, what is the level of what I should share? I'm sharing the easy stats. There's some stats that are so shocking I couldn't even bring them here for my own embarrassment that are happening with children today and young people today. And I read some of those, and I, my heart was just ripped apart. And I thought, God, help show us that this is not okay and that we as a church are going to take this on. I believe we can. The culture is changing, and we need to be there for our young people. The second thing in your outline is this. The parents brought their children to Jesus. Now, I'm going to read, I'm going to read a passage in a minute from, from Mark 10 that that has to do with this story that I briefly mentioned a couple weeks ago about when the children were coming to Jesus. And I just want to highlight this one thing. I want to highlight the fact that it was the parents who brought the kids. I love that. Mom, Dad, we're going to pray for you this evening. We're going to pray that God will touch you. We're going to pray for your parenting skills. We're going to pray for your patience. We're going to pray that God can do in you what you know you cannot do in your own strength. And it's going to make a difference in the world. Parents need to keep bringing their children to Jesus. Let me just read it. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch, I love that, he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. We love kids at Timberline. kids know we love them. Would you do that? We love you guys. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thanks for being in here. You can head back. God bless you. Have fun. Way to go. I love it. High fives all around. <laughs> oh, that is so fun. How many of you just want to be a kid again? You just had so much fun with that. You just <laughs> I don't. I can tell you right now, I don't. But I love kids. Come on out, you guys. Good job. Have fun. How many of you, some of these kids are yours? 
<laughs> That's a good thing. I hope they're all yours, to be honest with you. I, 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 hope, I hope there's someone in here who can invest in these kids. You know, when I think about, when I think about investing in children, and I think about the response of Jesus, you know, the disciples were, were trying to do that adult thing, like don't let the kids bother him. You know what I mean? How many of you, this will just be fun to kind of get a feeling. How many of you had a fairly large family when you all got together? Cousins, you know, family reunion, very large family. <laughs> How many of you can go back and remember what it was like when you got to sit at the young, the, the, the young person's table back downstairs in the basement somewhere? right? And you got your food and you went to be with the kids, you know? I can remember, I thought that was a good transition to going from, you know, the little, little tot up into sitting with the youth. And then, and then that's kind of this separate thing. And one of the things that we're going to be intentional about over these next few uh, months and even years is making sure that these kids don't feel pushed to another place, I want them to feel like they want to be in that place. That's why we're remodeling the space big time. We have some conceptual drawings that later we will show you just to give you a, a little nudge and a little example of what we're looking at doing. But we, we have a new passion for helping parents and grandparents. I don't, I don't know if it's my stage of life or what it is since I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a grandpa in about 30 days or less, and I'm so excited, and it's gonna be wonderful. So I don't know if it's some of that, or if I'm just walking around this building seeing all these kids this week here. You know, I can, uh, I can imagine more connections with, with you as parents through Timberline Ministries, whether you're a, a couple raising kids or you're a single parent. We're gonna pray for single parents at the end. We're gonna pray for couples who are raising kids. You know, it's easy to sit back in judgment and say, well, it's, it's too bad they're single. What happened? What's their story? I want to tell you something, single parents. We thank God you are here. We thank God that you are investing in your kids. Some of you stayed home so you could raise those kids. You're the foundation for those kids. We want to do everything in our power to invest in you and make it the best possibility, the best, give you the best chance to have your kids turn out the way God wants them to turn out. I'm excited about kids' ministry and youth ministry at Timberline. We're going to find, I want us to find more scholarship funds through this campaign to get all of our kids to camps. They're expensive retreats and missions trips to build memories in their lives that will impact them forever. Those are some of the things that impacted me so greatly, and yet the expense of some of these makes it almost impossible. Wouldn't it be great if somehow we could send every kid in this church to a camp that they would have those experiences that camp can give them? That's what this campaign is about. This is a big part of what we want to do in the new tithe challenge, the percentage given challenge. We can dream about this stuff that we've never dreamed before for if we respond and do what God's putting in our hearts to do. So I just want you to know that I feel encouraged. I feel blessed. I feel like God is putting a mantle on us to take this on and to trust God for the changes in kids' lives. The third thing in your outline is simple. Inside the mind and the heart of the next generation. I've called this message next generation because it's such an investment that we need to make in them. When Jesus saw, look at verse 14. It's the very next verse after they tried to push these kids away. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. 
Those words have just been like permeating in my mind. Let the children come to me. Kids, it's going to be very difficult for kids to come to God without adults in their life who will somehow facilitate that. These kids couldn't have gotten to where Jesus was if the parents hadn't brought them. So what does it mean for us? Do you know that we have, we have kids in this county that don't really even know who their parents are? We have kids that are in a system. And I started thinking about this. What would it mean for us to say, we'll be, we'll be the parents? And that's what many of you have done with orphan care and the kinds of challenges that we have said, we're gonna adopt every kid in our county. We're gonna make a difference in their world. We're gonna impact them. That's the stuff we're doing. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. What does that mean? That's, those are big words. A kid takes stuff at face value. And, and God is really saying here, the Lord is saying, the kingdom of God is like that. If you can take what I say at face value, if you can trust like a child trusts, how many of you played that ridiculous game where you said, jump off the ladder into my arms, right? I don't know why that's fun, but I think it's seeing a kid just take the plunge and trust. I remember our kids going off the diving board into a pool that had water in it. <laughs> I, I've often said, real trust in God is going off the high dive when it's dark and you don't know if there's water in the pool. Sometimes that's how I feel here at Timberline. We just say, let's go do this. But I think watching kids and, and seeing them go out to the end and it looks so far down and it just seems impossible and it's just a leap of faith and then the bouncing just a little bit and then the walking back and climbing down the ladder and then getting the nerve to do it again and their friend did it. And, and it's, 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 that's how we are with God sometimes is we climb the ladder when we get to that place where it's not comfortable anymore. Some of you, your story, if you could come up here and tell your story, you could tell us of a moment when you weren't even sure about the God thing. We've said at Timberline, let's make sure this church is a place where people can ask hard questions, where we don't want you to just receive blindly what faith is. We want you to ask the questions. That's what next generation does, folks. They're not taking your word for it, especially our teenagers. I want you to just watch this short video of some of our very young people here at Timberline, and then I'll talk about some of it. An old youth ministry proverb says that teenagers don't care about what you have to say until they know how much you care. The dream of creating a first-class student center that our middle school and high school students can call their own says we care as a church. It says we want you to have a space that facilitates deep and meaningful conversations about life and God and life with God. It says we want you to have a place in the church to call your own, a place that you are proud of and makes it easy for you to invite your unchurched and disinterested friends to hear about Jesus. It says you are the emerging kingdom leaders and we believe in you. It says that we are committed to your maturing in your faith and growth as young men and women. What would it mean for our church and our city to have a place that is warm, inviting, and designed specifically for students? A space designed for them to hear and experience a caring and winsome presentation of God's love for them as expressed through Jesus Christ. A one-of-a-kind space that does not scream we have an agenda for you, but shouts all the louder that you are the agenda and we love what you. What would it mean for them to know that we care that much? 
It means that they would want to hear what we have to say. I'm Hannah Hertz, and I'm a sophomore at Foster Ridge High School. Hi, I'm Corey Lynch, and I'm a seventh grader that goes to Severance Middle School. Hi, my name is Steve Meyer, and I'm a seventh grader at Resurrection Christian School. My name is Mariah Zaboshnik. I'm a freshman at Colorado State University, and I get to lead our sixth grade girls. My name is Jake Orphan, and I'm a junior at Foster Ridge High School. My name is Sarah Hertz, and I'm an eighth grader at Kennard Middle School. Hi, my name is Jason Marshall, and I'm a leader at Timberland Students. Hi, my name is Savannah Mercado, and I'm a junior at Poudre High School. Hi, I'm Hannah Archer. I'm a junior at Liberty Common High School. I'm Jake Klein, and I'm a junior at Fort Collins. I'm Logan Acker, and I am a junior at Foster Ridge High School. I'm Tucker Williams, and I'm a junior at Foster Ridge High School. Hi, my name is Ryan, and I'm a junior at Foster Ridge High School. Hi, I'm Kinsey Matthews, and I'm a senior at Fort Collins High School, and we are Timberline students. Timberline Students is where I had the opportunity to invite my friend from out of state into a mission trip in El Salvador with us. And not only did he recommit his life to Christ, but it also allowed us to strengthen our relationship. Timberline Students is where I go to grow my relationship with God. Timberline Students is where I grew up and where I was taught to follow Jesus. And now I'm helping our sixth grade girls do the same. Timberline Students is where I'm given a chance to serve. Timberline Students is where I get to give back. Timberland High School is where me and my closest friends come to keep each other accountable to live a godly life, not only on Sundays, but throughout the rest of the week. Timberland Students is a place where I can be myself. Timberline Students is where I found lifelong friends who show me how to love other people in the way that they've loved me. Timberline Students is a place where we come together in fellowship and learn about the Bible. This summer, I was very privileged to go on a backpacking trip with Timberline High School and at the beginning of it, I was very nervous about being accepted into these groups with these people because my religious background was so different. But by the end of the trip, I really saw who Jesus was and really saw the love that he had, but still was not quite ready to accept him into my life. But a few weeks later, I was also privileged to go on a missions trip to El Salvador with Timberline. And you know, at the beginning, it was really great to embrace Jesus more, and by the end of it, I really accepted Christ into my life. Wow. Wow. Says it all when you hear it from them. Real stories. Real kids. Real teenagers. I said it earlier, but I just want to repeat it. Young people need adults in their lives. And it, it needs to be adults that really love them unconditionally. I, I have people in my life who as I look back, if it hadn't been for them, I don't know how my life would have turned out. You, you wanna believe God would have sent someone else, but what if he wouldn't have? What if he wouldn't have? You know, my story in short, and many of you have heard this, so I will not spend much time on it, but. My dad died of cancer when there were five of us kids and I was a 14 year old. I have four sisters, two older, two younger. And that's a critical time to lose your dad. And I had men in our church who stepped up and said, we're gonna make a difference in Derry's life. And they gave of themselves. They made sure that I was staying healthy and strong and it was costly to them. And, and it, it, it took time, it took energy. I look back at that and I, I think of the man who loaded up my motorcycle in the back of his truck and took me out to the racetrack. And I loved dirt biking in the desert. And I didn't have any riding boots. I had a helmet because my mom made me wear one. <laughs> and he gave me his motocross boots. And he gave me these shoulder pad things and these things that would go around my knees. And, 
And he said, why don't you take a loop around the track? And nobody was out there, and it was an off day. And I began to ride. I began to feel fulfilled in it, and I loved it. And he began to bring me to the racetrack and got me involved. And it was just such a, it was just such a God thing that he took me in. And I think of the men in this church who maybe you've reached a stage in your life where you're no longer raising your own kids, but you could invest an hour a week or two hours a month into the life of a kid who needs you, who you can make a difference with. I'm thinking about doing that personally just because I have some time now I didn't have and I, I miss raising kids to some degree, not the whole thing. <laughs> Young people need healthy role models to lead the way. Guys, one of the things that I, I just gonna, I'm just going to be saying this, even in our Ten Commandments series, is this next generation, they spot a hypocrite from five miles away. And, and for us to live it out, none of us are perfect. How many know we're all sinners? So we don't have it all figured out. I get that. We need to teach our kids that's true. But let's do what we say. Let's, let's be people who will be who we say we are. Yes, it's okay to recognize we have struggles too. But sometimes we need to slap ourselves into that mode of saying, God, show me how to be that man, that woman of God. Show me how to put standards and depth in my life. Show me how to be a disciple. Some of you were never discipled. Some of you struggle with what you even believe. And you haven't gone into Bible studies. You haven't determined. It's hard for you right now. You can't even imagine taking someone through that. Well, why don't you learn together? What a, what a beautiful picture. I just think God's going to plant seeds in you for things like this. They long for purpose and direction. These, this next generation longs for purpose and direction that releases them toward their passion. And we can be a church that does that. We can cultivate that in them. And I know we don't have them that many hours, but that's why we're doing this remodel. We want kids to want to come here. Like I told you a few weeks ago, I want your littler kids, the children, I want them to get out of the car. I want to run to this facility. I want our youth to know there's a space here that they can come to after school. I can just see so many uses for that space where they're doing homework together, they're learning together, they're listening to music, they're playing some games, some decent games. Wow. Number four, how can we partner to bless the next generation? I, I, love, I love this passage because of the, the end of the story and what it, what it says Jesus did. And I, I don't want to hurry through this. It says in verse 16, then Jesus took the children in his arms. A few minutes before, the disciples are saying, stand back. The man of God does not have time for you. Now is the picture of him saying, come here. And the kids so willingly want someone who will hug them appropriately. They want someone who will bless them. And it says, he took the children in his arm and he placed his hands on them. And he blessed them. He blessed them. He prayed over them. He encouraged them. They felt something from the Son of God and the Son of Man being put into their little bodies their little hearts, their little minds. How can we as a church be the depositor of those little nuggets of truth when we take those young people in our hands, when we take those kids in our arms and we bless them 
and we pray over them and we encourage them forward. What does it mean to be a part of blessing our kids? What does it mean to be a part of blessing our teenagers? I believe in the next months, some of you are going to get invested and involved in kids' lives that you would have never dreamed it's even possible now. I saw a couple sitting over here a while ago who just started making hot dogs for kids at lunch. And all of a sudden, these kids are coming into their house, and, and there's 20 of them, and then there's 30 of them, and they're bringing their kids, and they're saying, we need some help buying hot dogs. <laughs> I just love the story. You know, if you will just give an inch, that kid doesn't get that sometimes from anywhere else. What's it going to look like for us as a church to begin to make investments and the time as you invest in people that you don't even currently know? I challenge you with this. And Dr. Gordon McDonald said it. Our pastors went down when he is in interim president at Denver Seminary. We spent a half a day with Gordon and just letting him invest in our lives. It was a wonderful morning. And he said, he said a lot of things I'll never forget, but one of the things he said that stuck with me, he said, it's easy to get someone into your life, but it's very difficult to get them out. <laughs> and that's the challenge with ministry. It can be costly because of the needs that someone has. And when you open up your life, the challenge is, will, be, will we be a church that makes investments that are costly? It's, it's, a big, it's a big question. I believe it means that we become facilitators of getting them into the hands of Jesus. That we will parent those who don't have parents. That we will see it. It will happen through the spaces that we create. It will happen through the ministries that we can build. It will happen through education that's going to take place in this facility. It's going to happen through retreats and camps and mission trips. I believe that with all of my heart. It's going to happen through the week-to-week -week grind of youth ministries, high school group, junior high, kids blast, the stuff they're learning at home and here, partnering with parents. It's going to happen through exposure to the real presence of God. You know what? This has been on my heart a lot. Kids don't just need a fancy, happy program. One of the things about Pastor Donnie with our kids blessed that I know he is in his heart is that we are, we're being prayerful. God, what does it mean for a kid to feel your presence? What does it mean for a kid to somehow realize there is a God who loves me, and, and I believe that, and I know that, and I feel his love, and they can actually say that. It's going to happen through meaningful conversations where it's safe to ask questions and to doubt. No more, you will believe this. Kids don't buy that anymore. That's why some of you have lost kids. They've run away. It's so common. I was reading some stats about how common it is for Christian kids to have a, an experience where they, they just walk away from faith. And it doesn't mean you've been not a good parent. It doesn't mean there should be shame upon you. It means they're not taking your word for it. They're in a generation, think about it, this is the first generation of kids who do not have an authority figure that has to give them information. They just Google it. They find out stuff before you even had a clue they were asking the question. The average age of a kid being exposed to pornography, it's down to about five years old. The average is eight. And I think about what that must do to the mind of a kid. 
that's just not even in adolescence yet. They don't even have an understanding of what all this means. What does that mean? How can we build safeguards? How can we share ideas as parents and grandparents to come together to maybe start some new groups to talk about what does it mean to be healthy in our parenting? What does it mean? What does it mean to have those standards? I love this scripture that says Jesus blessed them because the thing that your kids are going to feel from this church isn't everything they shouldn't do, everything they shouldn't touch, but they're going to feel that we bless them through the name of Jesus, that we love them, that we pray over them, that we spoil them in a godly way, and that we care about what's going on in their lives. What does it mean? I think of some of these picks. Let me just quickly walk through some of these things or remodel you guys. I don't know the order exactly you have, but I think we have some kids' areas. It's hard to see these on these screens, but with the Timber Kids theme, we're wanting to put this whole idea of trees that are growing out of these walls. These are the two doors that go in out there on that south side. And, and have kids growing out and have it real, have it like three-dimensional where kids can look at that and be in awe. This next picture shows kind of what the, the stairwell, this is just kind of the, the rail going, going in and these trees go all the way to the ceiling. I think it's the next one that, that has the next concept of, uh, oh, this is our playground. This is, this is a concept of a real playground. I, how many of you want to build a real one? How many of you would help? Okay, this is exciting because I told you a couple weeks ago, the one we have now is just not going to cut it. This is the ultimate goal for Timberline Playground. That's, that's what I want to do, but I don't think that's going to happen. But let's take pieces of that. This moves into our youth area. This is the East Auditorium, and we're going we're gonna to try to put a loft in here and create this coffee area where it's just warm and welcome. The colors will make it, kids will want to come in there. Do we have another one? This is kind of the, how it's going to be played out. These are some actual places that we have a couple picks of that will give you the feeling of the warmth and the idea and the connection where kids can just pop in. We want to just open the building and say, come and look here. Come and study here. We have Wi-Fi. It'll be protected. It'll be an area where they can feel safe, where they can have conversations. You guys, I want that so bad. Pray with us about that. Pray with us about how we can facilitate this over these next few months. God is going to help us do it. Let me just tell you the numbers, and then I just want us to pray together. To do everything that we need to do in the kids' area and the youth area is going to be about $800,000. Counting the playground and all the changes and all the, all the stuff, it's, it's, it's quite a bit of money. But for you, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's going to be that difficult. I believe you can do it. The Hunt Club purchase and the remodel, I mean, that's, that's a million plus. So we're, we're, we're looking at two million plus to get all this done. You say, well, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> who, who gets to be a part of a campaign like this that just can't happen unless we all say, let's make it happen? And then how fun is it going to be when we do? Because it's everybody doing something. And... Uh, I just thank God that, that we are already at just about a halfway point with a, about a million that has been faith promised in this campaign. And so I just can tell you that God is helping us. People are, uh, some donors have stepped up to say, we believe in this vision, we wanna make it happen. And this is the weekend we said, you know, if you're visiting this weekend, you're going, wow, do they do, is church like this every weekend? No, we're such an outward focused church, it's pretty rare for us 
to have moments like this, but I'm, I don't apologize because this is about taking care of business with our kids and our young people. At the same time, we're gonna go reach out and plant a church where a strip club was. That's two pretty compelling things, amen? And we're gonna do it for the glory of God. And so I want you to believe with us, pray with us. Um, God's gonna help us do it. Um, I, I want you to know that we don't use gimmicks at Timberline to raise funds. We don't even do fundraisers. We don't sell chocolate bars or balloons or buy a brick or buy a chair or buy a tree. If you wanna buy one of those trees, I'll get you a price, okay? <laughs> But we don't, we don't do that. We just say, what it, whatever God puts in your heart, would you do that? Because that's enough. That's enough. Some of you are being challenged right now with a new tithe challenge. You've never tithed in your life. It's really important that you trust God in this. It's a challenge to be a percentage giver. Malachi 3.10, it says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse in the Old Testament was a picture of the local church. So there will be enough food in my temple if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. The only time in the Bible God says that. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. It goes on to give a lot of promises. I hope you have one of those cards. It's in the chair back in front of you. Many of you already took it home. You've prayed about it. You brought it back this weekend to put it in the plate. So I'm gonna trust you to do that. If you haven't, I would encourage you to take one right now and pray about it. Take it home if you need to. Talk about it. I would encourage you, if you're not tithing, start with that. Start with saying, God, I'm gonna write a 10% check of my income. I'm gonna trust you. Some people ask me, is that before taxes or after taxes? I say, I don't care. You figure that out. That's your deal. We're not policing you. We don't run you down. And this is a faith promise that says you'll do it if you can. And I've said, if, if tithing doesn't work after three months and you don't see the blessing that's coming from God, then just stop it, stop. Because I believe it that much. It takes faith to start. And it takes encouragement to continue. And God will give you that as you go. Time, talent, and treasure. Take, take, take the time to do that, you guys. Um, let's, let's pray together. This is a little different what I'm going to do right now, but I want you to respond if you're in one of these categories. Some of you may stand two or three times, but I hope you can do that because I, I really want to start with this. If you need a job, you are looking for work, I want you to stand up. Please, just stand up right where you are. I'm not going to have you come up here or anything. I just want to pray over you as you stand. If you need a job, would you stand, please? Okay, thank you. Okay, you can stay standing. Church, I just want us to pray for these who are looking for work. Lord, we start with this knowing that you are a God who supplies and meets the need. I ask you to be a God of provision for these who need work in this crazy world we live in. Make it the right job with the right people. Use them, spin them. They say yes to those doors that will open. I pray that we will have a report. Secondly, you can be seated. Secondly, I want all youth and singles between five and 30 in this auditorium to stand. I know all the kids are back there, but if you're between five and 30, would you just stand if you're single? Stand right now. God, I pray. Church, help me pray for these. Look around. Lord, these, these are young people that we want to invest in and we believe in. Let them feel as a church that we care about them. 
Let them know that they are not in this world alone. Let them know that there is hope to do the stuff you've promised them. Let them know that they can live out their passion for the glory of God. Let them see you and meet you and feel the presence of a mighty God over their life, Lord. Change the tide, starting with these young people. We believe you. You can be seated. Thirdly, I want every single parent in this room to stand, please. Every single parent. I just want to pray over you. Don't, be, don't feel weird about it. We just want to pray and ask God to bless you and encourage you. Lord Jesus, thank you for these single moms and dads. Thank you that they love you. Thank you that they are working hard. Some of them have full-time jobs or two, and they're raising kids. It's just a challenge. Lord, I just pray that you will encourage and strengthen them. Let them know this is a church that loves them and wants to invest in them, that we believe in them. Let us partner with them. I thank you, Lord, for your glory. You may be seated. I want couples who are raising kids together to stand right now. You have young people in your household, children or teenagers. God, thank you so much for these couples, these marriages, and what it represents. We pray your blessing, your strength, your encouragement in this difficult time to navigate all the stuff, all the running, all of the challenges, all the financial commitments. God, I just pray for your favor in these couples. I pray for their marriages. I pray that they will be strong in you and they will trust you. Let them see that as we launch out as a church, it's with them in mind. They are a part of this, Lord, all of these people who have stood. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. We trust you. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, I ask you finally to give us the faith to step out where it's not so comfortable, be it a first-time check or a faith promise for 12 months, a one-time gift, or a commitment to spend time with a teenager or a commitment to sign up to work in the nursery or with Kids Blast. Give us the courage to step out in the areas maybe that we've never done it before and give us the boldness so that we can see the end right now. We can see the investment will make a difference. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. For one in this room that might not know you personally, I just pray that they will feel your presence right now. If they need to be forgiven or cleansed, let them feel that by the presence of God. If that's you, just give him your life if he's knocking on your heart. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I trust you with my future. I believe in you. I give you my all. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.